Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today we're talking about technology business management or TBM standards. TBM standards are an approach to help agencies model and manage IT costs and services in order to better direct spending. I recently moderated a panel sponsored by a firm on TBM. My guests on that panel were David Shive, the Chief Information Officer for the General Services Administration, Jennifer Cuck, the IT Category Management Specialist in the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, Kelly Morrison, a Performance Analyst at the Office of Management and Budget, and she's leading the reform of the IT Capital Planning Investment Control, or CPIC, process. And Natalie Rico, a Senior Policy Analyst with the Office of Federal Financial Management at OMB. In this first segment, we start off by hearing from David Shive, the CIO of GSA. Something that you didn't know about the implementation of TBM in GSA. There's lots of reasons to implement TBM. Uh, I should mention that I started the implementation at GSA uh, for completely selfish reasons. And the selfish reasons were based on the fact that I was struggling to have good, effective conversation about the value of the service I was providing to the businesses of GSA. And uh, so that was a weakness on my part. The businesses of GSA, the Federal Acquisition Service, Technology Transformation Service, Public Building Service, and a bunch of other smaller partners, they, they make investment into technology in support of their complex business mission. And I suspected that we were doing a good job making investments through my shop to, to provide IT for them but I couldn't eloquently talk about it. I couldn't benchmark myself relative to other government agencies or the private uh, sector. And uh, so I did my research. I'd known a little bit about TBM before. Before we did our first pilot in 2012, TBM was still a relatively new thing. But in working with other private sector CIOs who were two or three years into the process, they were talking about the transparency associated with running the practice and knowing the discipline and being able to communicate with the businesses. And I found that the, they found that the businesses that they supported, whether it's the GM CIO or the Microsoft CIO, they found that their businesses stopped saying to them, IT is a cost center that needs to be reduced. And they started to say, when we make investments in IT, the business that we run runs better is made more efficient, is transformed, and you can measure those business outcomes and the impact on those IT costs and the investments that they made through that. I said, that's my language. That's the language I need to have with the businesses of GSA so that we can turn and face the taxpayers that we serve and say, we're spending those taxpayer dollars that you invest in us as the U.S. federal government in an effective and efficient way. My one follow-up you, as you've gone through that is, here you are, you said 2012 is your first pilot, we're into 2018. Mm-hmm. CPIC tells you to, to use TBM. You guys are, are obviously one of the out in front. What's the value you're seeing today? Can you kind of quantify that or, or help us understand what difference it's making? There's two main values. There's a bunch of values. The portfolio of values is massive, but the two main values to me personally, and it's going to be different for every executive responsible for, for technology or whatever um, business is running TBM. The first is... Uh, I am able to have that value conversation in business terms, not how many cycles, how many MIPS, what's my network bandwidth. Uh, I'm instead able to say, your transaction times are reduced through the use of technology, and that's making you serve your customers better. You know, conversations like that. The second value is, and this, this is not 
one of the core components of TBM, but it's something that I recognized pretty early on. So TBM allows me to use the taxonomy as a decision engine. We do IT here in the federal space, but we're not the only place. The commercial sector, the private sector, has been doing IT for years, just as long as the as government has. And they've established benchmarks on the effective use of technology, effective use of spend for technology, and the business outcomes over time. We can take those learnings, not just in government, but outside of government, and say, when you make these kind of investments in the transition to cloud or using DevSecOps as a delivery model rather than classic waterfall and say they've received these good outcomes when they do that and it's likely that if government does the same thing, they're going to get the same good outcomes. So you can also see there's transparency into bad investments, investments that have netted bad outcomes. So it allows me as a decision maker and a risk manager, manager in government to say, I'm not going to double down on that investment because it netted really poor results out in the commercial space. And I am going to double down on this investment because it generates good outcomes. Kelly Morrison from uh, OMB in, in the CPIC world. Two things that I that some of you may not know. One, since CPIC has already come up, thanks Jason, we really are looking to transform the federal CPIC process with the use of TBM. And the only way to do that is if we're driving TBM adoption government-wide. We want to be able to transform that process from a perceived compliance process to a strategic value-add process. Today, the CPIC reporting is largely a manual effort based upon self-reporting. And as we move forward and leverage TBM, we are starting to use data from authoritative sources and we're able to automate. So we are absolutely thinking about value, how to improve the value, not just in the, the process, but also to the mission and acquisition and finance, which brings me to the second, maybe you don't know, that TBM is a family sport. <laughs> and that is why the three of us are up here representing three of the management offices within OMB, because it's not an IT initiative. It's also not strictly a finance initiative or an acquisition initiative or human capital. It really is bringing the whole family together. and not just at one part of the organization, but all parts. So within the departments, within OMB, all of us coming together and really work to figure out how we're going to crack the nut, how we can build TBM into the way that we do business as a federal government so that we can achieve the value that we're looking to. And then lastly, I will share, just in case you don't know, TBM is part of the president's management agenda and cross-agency priority goals. Dave, a couple of years ago, we had a wonderful conversation where we talked about how it is critical that this is something that is an administration's priority so that we really can drive it. And so I'm really pleased and proud of the work that's been done by so many people, agencies, OMB, et cetera, to get to this place where TBM is part of the president's management agenda. It is cross-agency priority goal number 10, for those of you that have not seen it, and you can find the information on performance.gov. All right, so one quick follow-up. I could probably talk to you all day, since I'm a big fan of the CPIC process. But um, when you I'm talk about you the PMA, I uh, know. We were talking about this at lunch. I, I, this is a, a lunch of nerds. Um, and, and to 
talk a little bit about the PMA and maybe one or two of the initiatives or the goals that you guys have outlined as, as part of the PMA and TBM? I think that TBM really hits upon all of the, the three large, the highest level PMA categories of IT modernization, data transparency, and workforce. The cross-agency priority goal number 10 is improving outcomes through federal IT spending transparency. And we have the ability to help to enable those three high-level PMA goals and also a number of the other CAP goals that exist, which Natalie and Jennifer might talk a little more about. All right, excellent. All right, brought up Natalie. Natalie's from OFFM. Take it away. Great. So one thing that we do know about data is that data is a strategic asset that helps drive decision making across the government. We know that, right? TBM helps. What you don't know, maybe, possibly, hopefully you will now, you'll now know, <laughs> is that TBM's framework will help drive meaningful conversations around risks and mitigating those risks and supporting our enterprise risk management efforts, which is also a family sport. At your agencies, you should be working together to support your enterprise risk management and TBM efforts. Short and sweet. Wow, that's yeah, less, much less sweet. than three minutes. So, <laughs> so one of the questions I have then is, is when you talk about data and you guys uh, through Treasury and working with Treasury have mm -hmm. really pushed forward with the Data Act, mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the, the quality of the data you're seeing because one of the big hangups I hear is, well, our data is no good, we can't do TBM or we, can't, we don't know where to collect the data from. Can you give me a sense of, of how from your perspective, you guys are working with agencies to, to deal with that data challenge? In regards to the Data Act? Or, or just, just generally about general. in regards to TBM? What was said earlier is that you have to start somewhere and to focus on just taking that first step and worry about the data quality later. We are definitely working with agencies part of strategy three for when you go to performance.gov and you <laughs> look and memorize the cap goal as we will be working with agencies to train them, and that will include data quality. We have to take a break. You just heard from Natalie Rico, a senior policy analyst with the Office of Federal Financial Management at OMB. Before her, Kelly Morrison, a performance analyst at OMB. And then before her was David Shive, the CIO at the General Services Administration, started off the show. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, we're talking about technology business management or TBM standards. I moderated a recent panel sponsored by a firm on TBM. In this segment of the show, we hear from Jennifer Cuck, the IT category management specialist in the Office of Federal Procurement Policy. I wanted to touch on uh, two things. One is how TBM can help support the acquisition community, and two, how TBN adoption, how the acquisition community, how we're helping with TBN adoption government-wide. So the first one is, if you, talk, if you think about TBM and how it'll help acquisitions, there's so much data that we're going to be able to collect that'll help us with market research, will help us with benchmarking, will really help us uh, drive the lower costs that we're looking for by having that data that we're, ha um, that we're able to gain through TBM. And if you look at the TBM model, you have all the different layers of, of data, and what we're hoping to do is be able to uh, provide an additional layer through, our, through the government-wide 
FPDS data that we have that have a wealth of information on contracts and sort of marry the two so that IT organizations can truly do portfolio management. They can look at all their costs as well as all the contracts that would support them. And, that, um, and we believe that that will really drive meaningful conversation. As Kelly mentioned, what we're trying to do is get the data from the authoritative sources. And what are those authoritative sources that we know about? FPDS is one of them. We have USA Spending. There's, uh, there's government-wide data sets out there, and we are trying to leverage that because there's a wealth of information. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. So in, with FPDS, one of the things we're trying to do is have the data that we collect through the FPDS system be supporting the TBM taxonomy. So I can, what you probably don't know um, is there is an effort underway where we're looking at the PSD codes under um, IT, all the IT PSD codes, and looking at how we can redefine those so that they are aligned with, with the TBM taxonomy. Um, and again, it was a high enough priority that it, we put those in that, that milestone as a category management milestone so that they, um, so that we tie the efforts that we're doing within category management and TBM because they do support one another. The other thing we're looking at, as you know, within the acquisition community, we're looking at clean structure, line item details. A lot of the, the same questions that we're having with granular data has been the same conversations we're having within the acquisition community. So we're looking at how we can use the line item, the subline item features within the acquisition system to leverage that so as we pull data from FPDS, we have that level of granularity. The other thing I wanted to mention was it's not about a system, it's really about a process, right? There's people aspect, there's process aspect, and we're looking at how do we implement TBM government-wide holistically and not looking at a certain, looking going after a certain tool or system, but really how do we educate our IT professionals, our acquisition staff to know that the data that they enter into these systems will actually be used for something meaningful. And how do we drive that change? If we are looking at authoritative sources, we really rely on the people that are actually doing the data entry, the contracting officers, the, the budget staff that are actually putting in these different codes to write the proper code so that when we pull it, it's actually aligned to the goods and per goods and products and services that we're buying. And I went way over five minutes. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. You took Nat Natalie uh, bequeathed her time to you, so uh, <laughs> right. I, I give my, this my, uh, so I know, David, you want to jump in, but one quick question, the, the rewriting of the PSC codes, the relooking at the CLINs, where in the process are you? Just in the beginning stages? Give me a sense because, and, and will that affect industry as well? It's a two-phase approach because when we make the changes into our, our, the codes, there, it actually has a direct tie into the acquisition system that's being used by all the agencies. So there has, there's a timing thing here. So our first approach by FY19, uh, October this year, we're going to lay out what the, how to redefine the codes, not change any codes in the systems, but really provide better guidance around when they should use specific codes. There are 77 IT-related PSC codes. So just trying to get a sense of how they're being used, what they should be using to really capture. That's a whole education thing that we're, we're trying to, to deploy. And then the next step next year, we're looking at making the changes into the actual codes. If we need to re, um, take them out, put them in, um, that'll go next year in time for the 2020, um, October 2020. Excellent. Now, Dave, you want to jump in? Yeah, I want to um, echo what Jennifer said about TVM not being a system. It's really 
a taxonomy and an operational mindset shared amongst the CXO community, not just the CIO, not just the CFO, not just the chief acquisition officer. It's common language for them to express the value of investments, not even just IT investments, but investments that can span the gamut. When GSA first started implementing TBM, I mentioned earlier in 2012, we did a small pilot and that was a mistake on my part. We should have just gone all in instead of vetting what we were seeing on a, a very small place. Being an IT person who's all about incremental and incremental investment, incremental delivery, agile delivery, that sounds a little counterintuitive, but this is one of the few places where you should go all in. We did, we started our work without a system. We just started implementing a system just in the last year or so. Um, the first three years were um, solely based on a zero-based budget. And people can argue all day about the value of doing a zero-based budget in a large enterprise like the federal government, but we found it eminently useful because we're obligated to, sh to show the taxpayers that we're supporting where we're spending every single dollar. It's a massive amount of work to do a zero-based budget and then draw that to the businesses, draw direct lines to the business, but it is an important body of work. The, the value of a tool is it automates all of that. You know, TBM through brute force, it was necessary for us. It was the right thing to do, but it was a massive amount of work. Having a tool to automate those processes made total sense. We have to take a break. You just heard from Jennifer Cuck, the IT category management specialist in the Office of Federal Procurement Policy. She was one of several speakers on a recent panel that I moderated sponsored by a firm. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, we're talking about technology business management or TBM standards. I moderated a recent panel sponsored by a firm on TBM. In this segment of the show, the panelists, David Shive, the CIO of the General Services Administration, Jennifer Cook, the IT Category Management Specialist at the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, Kelly Morrison, a performance analyst at OMB, and Natalie Rico, a senior policy analyst in the Office of the Federal Financial Management at OMB, answer questions from the audience. I'm Gabrielle Gallegas. I managed to, to sneak in without getting my name tag, so I can be from the agency that shall be nameless. <laughs> but we, we have done a good job. I mean, we have implemented TBM, and I was really, I thought all of you had really important things to say that were germane to what we've done, and I very much appreciate the perspective that, you know, don't wait for the data to be perfect, because we've definitely done that. We've jumped in, we've gone all in, the data is not perfect, but we're moving in that direction. My question is, because this is a family affair, it is a cross-CXO effort, we are not getting completely robust acceptance and excitement from one of our CXOs. And so my question is, CPIC is in my, in my group, a FATARA implementation, I do the IT acquisition reviews at, at, in my agency. So you know, we've implemented TBM in all of those areas, but we're having some trouble with the, with the CFO community being enthusiastic about this. Right. And what, so how are you doing that kind of reach out? So I'll start if you guys don't mind. So, you know, Kelly mentioned a conversation we had a long time ago about uh, how we could propagate or what the best way was to propagate this across government. And one of the risks that I um, determined early on was an organizational change management risk. Are you going to get adoption from all the parties, all the members of the family? And it's safe to say that there would have likely have been uneven adoption across the CXO community, uneven adoption across agencies, um, because people have different priorities. And so in GSA, the way we managed it was by having top-down leadership from the administrator to say, no, we're going to do this. 
and some were big supporters, and some took a little bit longer to become supporters. But it's amazing when you're all marching to the to the same drum that you have that top-down leadership, um, how effective that can be. Carry that one step further. I'd had conversation with Tony Scott and Margie Graves about this, and and Kelly as well, saying. If we're going to do this thing across government, and that's where you'll yield the largest value across government, then there should be top-down management. I just can't tell you just how pleased I was to see as part of the PMA for this year, because that's the that's the strong leadership necessary to make this thing successful and to drive the greatest value out of the implementation. Natalie, do you want to jump in at yes, all about I, the OFM side? Jump in. So one of the most interesting things that I found since I've been involved with TBM is talking with the agencies who have implemented this, or you know, who are still in the process, and they have all said, hands down, that you have to engage your CFO partner early on. And it's a journey and you have to take it together. So we recognize that. We have CFO co-sponsors with, with GS, one of them is also here today. OFFM from the finance community is also a co-lead of the cap goal because we recognize that this cannot be done without the finance community. We're working hard with the CFO. See, we have it on our monthly standard agenda items to always update for the agencies who are implementing TBM. And, you know, I'll be honest, probably maybe some of the CFOs are feeling maybe a little burnt from some of the data act stuff that, that they're still kind of, right? We're still <laughs> getting some chuckles over here, yeah, that we're still implementing. But I think there's a lot of best practices and lessons learned that we can leverage from that process. And speaking of CFOs. Thank you. Uh, I'm Doug <laughs> Webster, CFO at Department of Education and also the Chief Acquisition Officer. And I'm pretty new at education, so I don't come to this effort with a, an extensive TBM background. But it just, from a, an objective perspective, it just makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know how, well, I can imagine how people argue a bit against it, but I'm certainly not one of them. My question is not the rationale behind it, but the degree to which, and I'd look folks who've actually have progress implementing it here, the degree to which the CFO uh, community in particular have to change how they're doing business. It's, uh, and I'm not talking about the change management piece. I'm talking about the technical piece of mm -hmm. the, the accounting systems and so on to make this meaningful. For our strategies, I mean, we're, as we implement TBM across the government, we are looking to use authoritative data. We're not looking to, as, as Kelly mentioned and Dave, it's not a new, and we've all, it's not a new system. That's not what we're doing with our approach. But yes, we're going to have to examine our processes with, and, and you're also right, at the end of the day, it's just about good, better, basic financial management. And that is what the CFOs all strive for. Kelly? I'd love to add on that we really want to see what we can do with data that is available, <laughs> understand where the gaps are, and then look at the options that we have to figure out as a broad community with CXO member, uh, council member involvement, part of that discussion, how we are able to move forward. So I think to answer both of your questions, I would say that we're hoping to not have to make changes to existing systems. And as we engage with the different CXO councils and bringing those members together to be part of the conversation, hopefully that also will help the change management aspect and getting the family members on board. I'm gonna, I have a question here, but I'm going to throw Dave in real quick. When you, as you work through your TBM implementation and you brought in your, your CFOs and your human capital and your 
acquisition folks. Did you end up changing processes, or did you, you said you automated the data feeds? What did you guys do to address maybe some of the challenges we're starting to hear? A little of both. So we've had a really great working partnership with our CFO and our acquisition members. So we automate in places where we can automate. We do manual in places where we do need to do manual. But something to keep in mind, uh, the chief acquisition officers and the CFOs in the room are going to understand this. They do not live in a static world. Change is a fundamental part of their business. They're accommodating regulated changes, legislative changes in their systems and their business processes all the time. And as they look at business process improvement across their domains, they're constantly looking for opportunities to make necessary changes so that their shops run more efficiently. This is no different. This is just another lens in which to view the effectiveness of their operations and the systems that support their operations and just allows them to be more directive um, so that they get the greatest value out of those changes. All right, another question. Hi, I'm Steve Krause with GSA. Uh, the question I have is sort of a follow-on to some of the discussion we were having about adoption and sort of a follow-on to Gabriella's uh, question earlier. I know I tend to think about those kinds of topics in terms of a playbook, like what's the playbook? I know that's helped us out a lot in terms of implementing category management, for example. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you can comment, I know Dave, you, you talked a little bit about this in your opening segment, but if you can talk a little bit more in concrete terms about what you're finding with agencies that are implementing this, what, what tends to be the playbook, what are they using it for, any sort of early wins or success stories that you can share? Um, we are learning a lot from agencies, and one of the key takeaways that I would love for all of you in agencies to know is please continue engaging us because we really need to continue learning from and with you. Within strategy two of the Cap Gold deck, which please do go visit it, strategy two is all about enabling mechanisms and developing a government-wide strategy and approach. And ultimately, a playbook would be a part of that strategy so that we're developing standards. And yes, TBM is a standard, though what we're seeing today is that agencies are implementing in different ways, and there are different ways to interpret that standard taxonomy. And so if we're going to adopt government-wide, we really need to think about the approach that we're taking and how we do that in a common and consistent way so that at the end of the day, the outcomes that we are enabling, that we're able to get the macro benefit of comparing apples to apples. And it's something that can truly benefit the entire federal government and not just within each individual agency. I think that there are a number of values that already have been achieved that we're seeing both with the agencies that are adopting uh, and also that we continue to learn about from industry and other public sector organizations that are adopting. Cloud consolidation, driving down costs, um, not knowing that we're that there were costs being spent on certain things, thinking that that functionality had been turned off but realizing there's still bills that are being paid for things that aren't being used. Go ahead. I know one of, um, I won't name the agencies who, you know, 
call them out, but one of the agencies that we did meet with who I think has done a pretty good job of implementing is they said it allowed them to move from a systems-based approach to a capabilities-based approach. Mm -hmm. And that points to what Kelly's saying. I mean, they're finding these systems that they didn't know, and then across their bureaus in the fields, they're like, why do they all have the same system that does the same thing? Why don't we have a centralized you know, system at the national level? the cost savings around that. And it's not always about the cost savings, but there is potential for significant cost savings. And in real practical terms, OMB's been very forward-looking here. They've stood up an executive steering committee made up of uh, executives, CIOs, CFOs, uh, CIOs from uh, agencies that are implementing. They've stood up a community of practice, which is a living, breathing playbook mm -hmm. that morphs and changes over time. There's massive thinking going into that community of practice and then percolating out. They've created repositories where people can share their experiences and swap war stories uh, inside and out. They've been very forward-looking saying, let's make sure the DNA of this thing is as open and exposed as possible. And just two other data points for everyone, just in case. Uh, you can find the PMA at performance.gov. Very important. Number 10. Number 10. Yeah. And number 10. And um, if you are looking for any use cases, so let's see, uh, Steve, you probably know this, but the CIO Council has several use cases from the state and local government yep. about TBM as well. We have to take a break. Today we're talking about technology business management or TBM standards. I moderated a recent panel sponsored by a firm on TBM. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, we're talking about technology business management, or TBM, standards. I moderated a recent panel sponsored by a firm on TBM. In this segment of the show, the panelists, David Shive, the CIO at the General Services Administration, Jennifer Cook, the IT Category Management Specialist at the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, Kelly Morrison, a performance analyst at OMB, and Nellie Rico, a senior policy analyst with the Office of Federal Financial Management at OMB, continue to answer questions from the audience. Arlette Wynn with P3 Delivery. Now, Kelly may have answered my question, but is there a consistent change readiness or change leadership strategy across the federal government? Or is everyone handling change in a different way, different budget? You have a dedicated group that's looking at that. Great question. And Dave, thanks for the... the um prep for the answer for this one. Sure. Uh, with a TBM community of practice, the intent all along is that that body really becomes early stages of governance. And so to date, we've, there's been a number of agencies that have gone out and been uh, early adopters of TBM. We wanted to make sure that we were learning and that there was an opportunity for those agencies to be sharing. And now I think that we're at a great point to really start asking the questions around what are the similarities and differences with how the implementations are, uh, are taking place and starting to figure out how we're going to put a stake in the ground and find the, um, th the how-to guide of how we're going to do it in a standard and consistent way. So we're really going to be leveraging the TBM community of practice to help with that decision making and of course also leveraging the uh, TBM Executive Steering Committee that um, we rely heavily on our cap goal leads and other executives that are engaged, involved, and um, really helping to drive the success. The community of practice, is that open just for government employees or is it contractors too and, and can people find more information somewhere? It is, it is government for 
we've had industry where industry is supporting a government client. They've attended many of the meetings and conversations, but not open, uh, not open more broadly. You should though. Thanks. I, I would recommend it. Thanks for the recommendation. I, I, I would go. <laughs> I may attend that. Thanks. Hi, uh, you're Gupta from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. You know, you paint a picture of, you know, start now, don't worry about perfect data. You mentioned the CAP goals and the PMA, which I believe it's uh, 2022 goals. So start now and fully implement it over the next few years. Um, I was wondering if folks in the panel could sort of paint a picture of what this would look like in a couple of years. If FPDS was mentioned. Um, in terms of that data, so, you know, you do it, you use TBM, the taxonomy for budgeting now as a serial base. But down the road, are you expecting changes to the FAR or how, uh, you know, vendors might, <laughs> might invoice uh, agencies so they know how, you know, if there's a level of effort type contract, how, where that level of effort was going, where in the taxonomy that money was being spent, so you can start tracking actuals with actuals. Good question. There will not be a FAR change at this time for TBM implementation. I think what you're getting at is a lot of the, the granular details do come from contracts and we need to get that information from the contractors. I think there is a recognition for that, but what we, one of the core principles of TBM implementation government-wide was that we're not gonna add undue burden, we're not gonna add new things into our acquisition system, financial system, whatever it is that we're doing, and that we're gonna take, at least for now, look at what we have and then see how we can fill those gaps. We do know that the contractors do have a lot of information. We also know that we're getting better at, get, we're um, implementing line item cleanse and we're getting um, e electronic invoicing. There's, there's things in place that will help us do that, but we're not look, we're looking at it, at least for the acquisition perspective, we're looking at it for the entire health of the acquisition system rather than making changes specific for TBM. So David, jump in, please. Again, I'm a practical guy, you know, working in a practical agency. So we do see some practical changes down at the agency level. I'll give you an example. So we run TBM and we get data from multiple sources. Acquisition systems is one of those sources. And when we have a vendor who's exposing to us a one line item bill and says, we're providing this service and underlying technology to you and it's a million dollars or whatever it is. And I look at that and get a very flat look on my face because it doesn't tell me any of the detail that I need to successfully run my enterprise. And I know that that vendor is running TBM internal to their operation. It makes it a really easy conversation for me to say, CIO of this company, please go talk to your sales and your billing and finance shop and expose out the bill according to the TBM taxonomy. And of course, the salespeople go, oh, you know, that's, you know, that's, uh, we don't want to expose that. We don't want to expose our pricing and stuff like that. But when they're running TBM internal to their shop, it changes the discussion. Let me just do a quick follow-up because we have another question here. But Jennifer, to my disappointment, no FAR case. That means I'm not going to be able to read the wonderful document that register. <laughs> but no, but generally speaking, by 2022, if we have this conversation again mm -hmm. and, and we're all here together, is the automation really what's the difference for a lot of agencies and vendors is, is the key? I mean, as David talked about, they automated where they automated, but in the end, if you can pull data from that authoritative source, that's going to save a huge process for CPIC and, and mm -hmm. so many others. Is that part of that end goal? It, it is, and I think the, the, the example we um, Dave gave about, about a company not having a, a very high-level clean structure, there, we still have 
process in place to get that level of granularity. It's really educating the COs and the cores to know what to ask for the contractors when they put those contracts together. Because there's nothing in the, system, in, in the way we do business now that prevents us from getting that data. We're not at putting it into our contracts. So there is another work stream. Again, this is the whole point of, this is not about a tool, this is, it's, a, it's a process, it's a workforce training thing where we need to work with the, um, the cores and the COs and say, you need to be asking for this kind of information when you put a contract together because it's being used for this purpose and be able to communicate that and, and have that information be, be um, sent out to the, to, the, to the staff level. Excellent, another question. I'm Laura Smith, I'm with the AMIC Group. And as an IG auditor and uh, work a lot with the IG on uh, uh, outside audits, I can just see I mean, this is going to be so wonderful. I'm seeing firecrackers <laughs> going off. And I wanted to ask, um, when you get your data right, it's so much easier for us to come in and, and give you that good audit. Audits are not for auditors. They're for management to see how they're doing business and if they do have any issues going on. So as you have worked in this, how have your audits gone? And have you had an audit yet? Uh, a financial audit or an IT audit, and how does your security look on the back end? And um, how are you implementing like some of the new FISMA and the uh, cybersecurity framework in any of that? Are you doing that? Dave. <laughs> so, could, could you get a report too before you leave today? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it warms the cockles of my heart to know that I'm gonna make auditors' lives easier, so. <laughs> <laughs> No, we have not been audited, but uh, our yearly financial audit for this year, they're very interested in the process. And, you know, the, the leap from very interested to an actual thing in the auditing realm is usually pretty short. So now uh, the questions that they ask as a part of the yearly financial audit and the you know, supporting FISMA audit, stuff like that, some of that's made easier by TBM. Uh, it's also made more believable by TBM and it helps with some of the checks and balances. So I expect that it will streamline some of the somewhat laborious audit collection activities that we go through. Kelly, because the IG community is, is very black and white in terms of wrong and right, are you guys working with them as well through the CPIC process? Because they'll look at, what is it, A121, 123, which one of one of those? A130 that lays out okay, you must do X, Y, and Z, but if you're moving to TBM, there may be some changes. Are you guys working through the IG community a little bit as well? To a degree, we are, specifically with IG offices that also are working to implement TBM. So HHS OIG is one of those organizations, and I think it's something that will continue. When you talk about the, the implementation of TBM, maybe a little bit, the first requirement came in the 2019 planning. Can you talk maybe some broad trends that you saw as agencies submitted their first, or are submitting, I guess, their first set of business cases slash CPIC capital planning that, that maybe are starting to implement TBM. Are you starting to see a little bit of progress? Or are a lot of agencies still at that my data's wrong issue? Just give me a trend or two that maybe. Awesome. So I'm going to go maybe a little bit more into detail than what you're hoping for, Jason. Um, Start with GSA and their problems. Oh, goodness. <laughs> When we were briefing the incoming administration with the FY18 2000, um, the FY18 president's budget information, one of the questions was help us understand the how we're really spending this $90 billion of IT costs across the entire federal IT portfolio. 
And at that point in time, we had 84% of the IT portfolio that we really couldn't categorize into a standard IT bucket. So again, cap goal 10, deck, <laughs> out on performance.gov. <laughs> on slide five, four, um, you'll see this graphic where the top line is that 84% that's uncategorized. And within one cycle of introducing TBM elements into the CPIC process, we were able to shrink that drastically. It um, exceeded our expectations of what we thought that we were going to get back from agencies. And we're currently only at 34% that's now uncategorized. So agencies have done an incredible job with breaking out their costs. I do want to say that we don't by any means see this breaking out of costs into TBM elements as a TBM implementation. It is still manual and the process of the, the investment costs that are being broken out for most agencies, that is a manual process. It's self-reported data not coming from authoritative sources. And that's really what we want to be able to change. So the reason that we introduced the TBM elements into CPIC is one, to get more granularity, to understand what we're spending across the government on IT, also to help the change management, knowing that this is where we want to drive and have this standard across the board, starting to introduce it to the folks that have been reporting IT costs for years, we believe is really going to help that change management aspect. And as we are doing true TBM implementations, leveraging data from authoritative systems in an automated way, it makes the reporting for that CPIC process a whole lot easier. And as we have a better grasp on what we're truly spending on IT, which I am sure it's not just $90 billion a year, we also then are gonna be able to do a much better job in budgeting for IT. And just so I can get a definition, when you say categorized or uncategorized, so if you ask David what's he spending, $50, billion, $50 million budget, sorry, or whatever it is, he hopefully could tell you most of it or 99% of it, but how are you defining those two terms, I guess? is. So we were looking at, at standard categories um, of IT spend, and yes, agencies certainly could answer the question, but if we look across all of the agencies, it's really hard to answer that question. Um, and so we're now using the TBM tower category view to look at the different types of IT costs across the IT portfolio. That's all the time we have for today. You just heard from David Shive, the Chief Information Officer at the General Services Administration, Jennifer Cook, the IT Category Management Specialist in the Office of Federal Procurement Policy, Kelly Morrison, a Performance Analyst in the Office of Management and Budget, who is also leading the reform of the IT Capital Planning and Investment Control, or CPIC, process. And Natalie Rico, a Senior Policy Analyst with the Office of Federal Financial Management at OMB. They were talking about technology business management or TBM standards. I moderated a recent panel sponsored by a firm on TBM. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Subscribe to this show on Podcast One or iTunes.